0: Now, we left off on Wednesday night talking about some things that will shipwreck you in your Christian life, and I want to just real quick give them to you again. Uh, I'm not going to take the whole time, but I want to give them to you real quickly this morning. And uh, we said that there are some ways uh, that if you obey these passages of Scripture, you will not get shipwrecked. But the, the stuff that I give you here, if you disobey these things, you're going to go down in your Christian life. And uh, that's just the witness of Scripture. So, you want to be careful in your Christian life, and look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and look at verse 19. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, but before we do, let's pray. Oh, Father, I need your help this morning. I'm awful thankful, Lord, for my salvation. Thankful, Lord, for the precious blood, and Father, we plead that precious blood this morning. Father, without uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit, nothing's going to be possible, Lord, with these uh Earthly eyes, Father. This is a supernatural book, and Father, I humbly approach it, Lord. And I confess that I'm wicked and ignorant, Lord. Unless you open my eyes, Lord, I'll never be able to behold wondrous things on Thy law. So, Father, I pray that you'd help, Lord, uh, give me the uh, ability, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit to give the sense of the Scripture. And Father, I pray that you get all the honor and all the glory for anything done here in the church house this morning. And Father, we sure love you. We long for heaven. We long for our heavenly home. Would you come get us out of this old world, Lord? And, and uh, not only that, but Father, I pray that you'd make heaven more sweeter every single day until you come back. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> All right. First Timothy chapter one, uh, Paul says, verse nineteen: Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away, concerning faith have made shipwreck. So. Paul is saying, "Look, you gotta be careful. You don't put these things away, and the things that they get put away is faith and a good conscience. Uh, you put faith away, and you put your conscience away, and uh, some <clears throat> what happens is you end up shipwrecking your Christian life. Now that doesn't talk about losing your salvation. That's talk about losing your testimony. That's what it is. That's 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 the illustration, the shipwreck. All right." Now, listen, if you're on uh, the ship, old ship of Zion, the ship ain't going down, but the Lord's going to put you up on a shelf is what he'll do if you put the faith away and if you put your conscience away. And, of course, your conscience is only made alive by that book. That's the only living thing possible. And while many times Christians' conscience can get seared and defiled, not the message this morning, as they put all those things from this world in their eyes, instead of putting the only thing living into those eye holes, <laughs> right? Bible says the body, I'm sorry, the light of the body is the eye. And then he talks to the Gospels about having, uh, if the eye be dark and all that thing. And you think about the darkness of this world right now. And if you're not careful, you'll be putting stuff into those eyeballs, them eye holes, them eye sockets there that don't help you a hill of beans in the Christian life. So you've got to be careful. And that conscience is made alive through the scriptures. If you want to know what will take care of a, a bad conscience, it's the Scriptures. Uh, Paul, uh, David said repeatedly in Psalm 119, I love thy law, I love thy statutes, I love thy testimonies. It's my delight, it's my delight, it's my delight. And that thing will keep you from, uh, from a bad conscience. But here, I want to talk real quick about uh, things that will help you from um, getting shipwrecked here. Look at Job chapter 6, real quick. We ended on this on Wednesday, but I want, to, I want to give them to you again. Some of you weren't here. Job chapter six. Now, listen, I don't want anyone to get shipwrecked in the Christian life, but the fact is, some people are going to hit the. Uh, some people are going to get shipwrecked, and uh, I don't glory when a Christian gets shipwrecked. It breaks my heart. And not only that, I've got to be on the same amount of vigilance and the same standby and the same guard lest I'm shipwrecked as a preacher. Last thing I want to do is be in a pulpit and have no God on me. Amen? That's a bit, yeah, I'd, I'd rather be out here backside of Coal Creek over here pushing up chickweed than uh, be useless for the Lord. Than get in the pulpit without any God. I'm serious. Uh, the, my, my, one of my biggest fears in life is not whether or not I succeed. You look at me, you won't see success. My biggest fear is uh, to not have any unction on me in the pulpit. And God can't use me. Uh, Job chapter 6. All right, here's a good message here by the Holy Spirit of God. He says, teach me, verse 24, and I'll hold my tongue and cause me to understand where I have erred. And uh, what Job's saying is, God, show me where I'm wrong. God, show me where I'm wrong. So here it is, Job chapter 6, verse 24. Uh, show me where I'm wrong. If you don't do that on a daily basis, you're going to run the the risk of shipwrecking your Christian life. That'd be a good thing to pray today. Lord, uh, show me where I'm wrong. (laughs) And then just wait. And just tell me if the Lord don't bring some things to mind. The Holy Spirit of God just doesn't go blip, blip. You ever done that? You ever just got alone with the Lord and say, now, Father, I pray you just show me where I'm out of fellowship with you. Lord, I pray that you'd show me right now uh, where I'm unsurrendered in my Christian life to you. And then just be quiet and button your lips and don't have any music playing and don't have the TV on and don't have a conversation. Just sit there and wait. Tell me if the Holy Spirit, if you're serious about it, don't you reckon the Holy Spirit will show you? That's a blessing is what that is. But then comes a responsibility. you got to do something with what the light is. And if you've never done that, man, you ought to do it. You ought to do it. Lord, show me where I'm wrong. That's Job 6.24. And if you'll pray that prayer, you'll not get shipwrecked. Look at 1 Samuel 26. 1 Samuel 26.21. Real quick. 26.21. 1 Samuel 26, 21, Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will no no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool, and have erred exceedingly. Now he said this, you want to get shipwrecked and destroy your testimony and sink to the bottom? You do it by playing the fool. Playing the fool. Just be foolish about things. I mean, there is a right way and a wrong way to do things, and If you're always out there playing the fool, jumping to conclusions, amen, always a fool with your mouth, always a fool with what you think, always a fool with the information you're given, I mean, half the stuff you're given isn't even true, amen, don't play the fool and relay it and go on. Sometimes just whatever drops in your lap, just let it sit there, (laughs) amen, don't play the fool, and that's how you shipwreck your, your Christian life. Now look at Mark chapter 12, here's another one, Mark chapter 12, verse 24, We're trying to avoid a shipwreck. Why? Because when we get to verse 20, Paul shows us some men that have shipwrecked their faith, have shipwrecked their conscience, and they got a bad testimony because of the thing. Mark chapter 12, verse 24. All right, here's a simple one. Simple enough. But worthy of preaching on it for a month of Sundays. Mark 12, 24, the Bible says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you not therefore err because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God? You see that? And you're going to shipwreck your Christian life by what? Not studying the Bible. Not studying the Bible. You know the problem with going to a Bible believing church? if you don't study the Bible, you'll you'll shipwreck yourself faster than if you don't go to a Bible-believing church. (laughs) You see that? Can you imagine sitting under truth and not doing anything with it? Man, you'll shipwreck faster than a day is long. I know why people leave this church. You say it's because of your incorrigible personality. Oh, come on. Come on. I had an ice cream route for years. Been in thirty thousand homes across northern Michigan, and only two didn't like me. Cut it out. That's what, right there. It's that book. I am not that important. Now listen, if I was your ice cream guy and I came to your door and you like butter pecan or rocky road or chocolate marshmallow, we would be friends. But now I, I'm a mouthpiece for a living book. That's why they don't come back. All right, so you want to shipwreck your Christian life? Stop studying the Bible. Just just let the preaching happen on Sunday morning, Sunday night. Let it happen on Wednesday night. Don't read it during the week. Don't study it. Don't say, God, what can I learn from it? Don't memorize it. You shipwreck. All right, first Timothy six. I went to the college back in the 90s. I went and got me an education. Got me a little piece of paper. I lost it as soon as I got it. I found it cleaning. Every time I clean my room, I find it. (laughs) You ever do that? Oh, I forgot I had that. (laughs) You know, a little thing there. It's laminated. It's got the fancy little school seal on it, you know. And it's got, you know, you paid for it, right? I'm like, oh, I do have one of those. Praise the Lord. And, anyways, uh, it gets discouraging sometimes. You look at some of your your friends that went to college. I went to a quote unquote, one of the schools I went to was a quote unquote, Uh, bastion of orthodoxy Christian school what does that mean I mean nothing and I'm looking at all my buddies coming out of there that were called to the ministry you know what they're doing they're in the church of what's happening now they got the praise and worship band up there you know they got everyone up there that thinks they can sing and, and she's got a little jam tambourine here and she's and she can't sing you know more than you can throw water out the window you know what I mean and he's up there and he's, you know. What is that? What is that? Shipwreck. Then you get some fellow up there and he's, uh, he's got a pair of stylish jeans on. He's got this little uh, collared shirt. Don't even tuck it in, man. It must be old-fashioned. If you don't tuck your shirt I don't care. But if you're a preacher, man, you ought to look like a preacher. Gets up there and got this little pulpit, you know, this little, I don't know what it is. Looks like something you put a cup of coffee on, you know. And he's "Ah." (laughs) all kind of timid like that. Looking at his notes and looking at the people walking. What is he doing? He's trying to think of things to say, man. What is that? I don't know. That's what your Christian colleges are producing. A bunch of effeminate wimps. Having a good time this morning, aren't we? (laughs) I'm fired up, man. I'm sick and tired of seeing it. You know, you, you, get, you get yourself a, well, preacher, you know, if you wanted to grow a ministry, you know what you do? I know exactly what you do. You take two of these classrooms back here. You are listening? We're not going to vote on it either. If you want to grow your ministry, you take two of these classrooms in this gymnasium, you kick out a wall, and you spend $10,000 on it. And you put couches and little love seats in there. And you get the little lighting down low and you paint it warm colors. And then you get some preppy, cool little youth fruit cake in there. And you get them all laying around on couch. You see what I mean? What happened? Shipwreck. They threw it out. What? The book. You throw the book out. You throw your music standards out. You throw everything else out. And now what are you doing? You're doing just what the world's doing. You get them together in a nightclub appearance. It looks like a nightclub, looks like a little bar, and the only thing you don't have in there is alcohol, because you got the little worldly music. going. You see what I mean? Good morning. First Timothy six ten. That stuff makes me mad. You can tell me your grandparents and your parents that if they were saved, that that's what they had in mind, with getting what, together with the Lord was all about. Man, this this world's going to hell on a rocket ship. And you know what? The Christians are leading the charge. First uh, Timothy six ten. Bible says, "For the love of money is the root of all, baptists. I mean, evil. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, Presbyterians, maybe." <laughs> which while some have coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through, through with many sorrows. Now you look back in your Christian life and you want to talk about a number of sorrows. Can't you trace it back to that thing right there? Money. Now it doesn't say money, it's the love of money. All right, you want to shipwreck your Christian life, well then go ahead and, uh, you know, get all tangled up with love and money. Here's another one. Look at 1 Timothy 6.20. I better write this on the board. Love of money. You know, as a Bible-believing Christian, I had an ice cream route. You know, I caught myself doing, time after time after time, uh, on a nine, uh, it would be nine o'clock at night, running them back roads in Bay County and Aranac County, and Crawford County and uh, Oscoda County. And be, uh, uh, I'd be, I'd be, uh, I'd have a pretty good day going on. I mean, a pretty good day. You know, I found myself doing taking that truck and pointing it back to that person that wasn't home, and taking that truck and stepping on the gas and then back roads. You say, what are you confessing for? I'm just being transparent with you. There's something about that dollar bill that hooks its claws into every man and woman alive. And I'm telling you, if you're having a good day with money, and you have the opportunity to get more, you better watch it. Solomon told you that money, that thing makes like wings, and it flies away. You want to know what all fly away is? And that's your money. One preacher said, you know, it's around the corner from uh, financial security. One fellow said, what? He said, poverty. <laughs> That's right around the corner from it, ain't it? Some you know firsthand. Lost two, three fortunes, right? Two, three families out the window. Why? Love of money. You say, so about that ice cream? Yeah, I tell you what, I have a good day going on, and I'd sit there, and all of a sudden, I'd find myself chasing it. Why? Something about it. Talks to you. Well, you know, if I get one, if I get one more sale, I could break my record. And then you get that, then you get that sale, and that was a really good one. Man, if I get one more, man, that would be wild. And next thing goes you know, eleven o'clock at night. <clears throat> First Timothy six twenty. Bible says, "Oh Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith." Grace be with thee. Amen. All right. Now you know another thing. I'm gonna. Shipwreck you as a Christian if you're not careful, be your education. Be your education. Now listen, I am for you getting an education. But you better get that education, better thank God for it. You better still believe the Bible when you're done with it. Because that's what education is designed to do. Education is designed to talk you out of believing the Bible so you can get your degree and come out and be a Bible believer. You let me tell you what, that's a blessing. Because all education is dying to do is disprove Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And if you can get rid of 1, 2, and 3, you can get rid of sin. And the more education you get, the more acceptance of sin you're expected to do. The higher up you go, the more elitism you go, and the less sin sounds so bad. You'll get to thinking you know more than God. Hebrews 3.10, got to move, got to go. I don't want to get stuck in a rut this morning, but I'm burning the carbon out of the pipes. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10. The Bible says, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. All right, if you don't want to shipwreck your Christian life, you know what you've got to do every single day? It's kind of like this one right here. <clears throat> you've got to keep your heart right. You gotta ask the Lord, is my heart right? You know what caused people to err? Their heart wasn't right. God blessed old Uzziah over there in the Old Testament and everything he did, he prospered at some of y'all are kind of like that. Every time everything you touch seems to turn to gold. I don't know, everything I touch turns to manure sometimes. <laughs> you know, one fella said, you know, if you want to make something great, have a German. Develop it. If you want to perfect it, send it to Israel. Have a Jew do it. Amen. If you want to destroy something, just put it in my hands. <laughs> I'll show you how it's done. <laughs> but you gotta keep your heart right. And if you don't keep your heart right, you'll shipwreck your life. You'll be a mess. All right, Jude. Jude chapter one. There's only one chapter in there, Jude 111. <clears throat> if you got two chapters and you got the wrong book, <laughs> Now look at Jude, uh, verse 11. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. There's the first one. You know what that is? You're going to shipwreck your Christian life. The first thing you're going to do here is uh, you're going to be unrepentant. 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 All right. Now that's why you're hyper-dispensationalist. Uh, he's off in the ditch because he doesn't believe he has to repent once he gets saved. He gets that thing all messed up, and that has to do with your fellowship with Jesus Christ. And that's why hyperdispensationalism is the most dangerous thing to a Bible-believing Baptist. Because I'm a dispensationalist, but I'm a moderate dispensationalist. I don't think you take the book and you take a thing and you just divide it up so thinly you've got like uh, you know, pepperoni on a pizza, man. But that's uh, be unrepentant. You're going to shipwreck your Christian life? Don't repent. When you get out of sorts with the Lord, don't repent. When you get out of sorts with your wife, don't repent. When you get out of sorts with your kids, act like they should just understand because you're mom or you're dad. You're an idiot. Amen. Be unrepentant. Unrepentant. There we go. Second one found there in verse 11. You're going to shipwreck your Christian life. not only is there unrepentance, but look at this, it says, uh, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, there is your unrepentance, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward. You've got rebellion towards authority. Look at verse 12. Rebellion towards authority. Now this one strikes fear into the heart of every American Bible believer. Because your country was founded upon rebellion. All right, Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. We said this Wednesday, but you know what happened with Kor, Dathan, and Abiram. They tried to go against Moses. And you'll err if you do those things. You'll shipwreck your Christian life back to 1 Timothy. I want to put them on the board and give them to you one more time. They bear repeating. And if you're called to preach, that will preach. And I know I'm running through them quick, and that's fine. But if you're called to preach, you ought to write that down. You ought to preach it and do a lot better job than I did. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. The Bible says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away. You see that? They put it away. Concerning faith have made shipwreck, verse 20, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. That's a strange verse, ain't it? You see how he words that thing? Now, it's not like Paul's got some strange wizardry power and he goes, oh, ooga booga, I've turned you over the devil. That just means he leaves him alone. See what I mean? You know how you turn something over the devil? Leave it alone. You know how you let your house go to pot? Quit doing anything with it. There's something about living in a house that just kind of keeps it somewhat together. I know you're always fixing something and painting something, right? And, and that once you start, it's like you can never stop. But you go ahead and stop doing anything in your house, that thing will fall apart in five years. Every time we come through here, you see Grandma Long's house over here. Man, that thing, I'm sure that thing ain't fell down. You know, it's just, just so old and rickety. You know, and I, I know uh, Brother Gordy comes over every now and then and does this and that to it, but Man, that thing's been there 100-plus years. Yeah, exactly, right? I remember going out there as a kid, and just down here on the right here, <clears throat> it's really, what, quarter mile? Not even that. And we'd go out there. I was in kindergarten. We went out there to the sawmill. They had a sawmill. They were making pallets. Here's Grandma Long. She's old. She was old as dirt then. She's out there swinging a hammer. Whap! One swat. She'd making pallets. I mean, just boom, bam. Bam, I'm like, good grief. And here she was, kind, sweet old lady making little loaves of bread for me and I was in kindergarten right down here in the classroom here. Yeah, you know why we loved her? We didn't dare mess around with her. and <laughs> We were more afraid of her than I was my dad. But, you know, you, you, you take that house there and, you know, it's there, nobody lived there. I mean, it's just falling apart. You look at it, go, my, there's vines kind of growing all there. Just let it go. Just let it go. All right a strange verse. Paul turns uh, these two fellows, Hymenaeus and Alexander, or Hymen- however you say that, Hymenaeus, Hymenaeus, whatever. I have to listen to Scorby later, see how Scorby says that word. That they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, if you think about it, over there was at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You've got that one uh, pervert there. He's laying around with his father's wife, right? Uh, and, and that's what they did there. They turned that fellow over to the devil. Turn there, First Corinthians chapter 5. They threw that fellow out of the church. You know what Solomon says over there uh, in Proverbs? Uh, how does he say? I'll mess the thing up for sure now. He says this. He says, uh, cast out the scorner and contention shall cease. Remember that verse? Yeah. Cast out the scorner. You say, what does that mean? Well, sometimes you just got to kick the sucker out. I'm sorry. the church, uh, Individual. <laughs> sorry about the, you know, you know Americanism there. You got to throw him out. Why? You got a pervert in your church. Aren't you glad there's been a couple perverts come through here? We threw them out. See, did you feel bad? Eh, at first, and then after lunch, I was really okay with it. Why? Got kids in here. You got kids. You got grandkids. You got wives and families. Don't need no pervert in a church house. Amen. I want God to bless it. I don't want God throwing me out because I wouldn't throw a pervert out. All right, 1 Corinthians 5. Here's the thing, they threw him out of the church, because if you don't kick that fellow out of the church, the Bible says right in the same passage, a little leaven leaven leaveneth the whole lump. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 5. There it is, 5-5, death. That's the number of death. He says, to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. You see that? Fornication. Uh, Why you put him out of the church, look at verse 6. These church members, they were so stupid, they were glorying about this fornicator in their church. They just thought, oh, look at us. We're just so liberal in our love that we can, we can love a queer. We can love a pervert. Isn't that what's going on in America today? You got churches right now putting rainbows on their church. You put a rainbow on this thing, I'll set the fire and burn it down. Amen. I could put up with that. You kick me out of here, I don't care. This is for God. This ain't for the queers. All right, you put him out of the church, verse 6, your glory is not good, know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Seven, purge out therefore the old leaven. Get, it, get, rid, get rid of him, that ye may be a new lump as you're unleavened, for even Christ our Passover, leaven's a type of sin, right, is sacrifice for us. So you got, you got a fornicator in the church there at Corinth, and God can't bless it until you get rid of that fornicator. Amen? Amen. Ain't that something? Now let me give you something else. Let me give you something else. Let me give you five dangerous people in the New Testament church. You ready? First of all, you got this one. Amen. This will preaching get everyone just everyone's bloomers right in a bunch. First Timothy chapter one verse twenty. Five dangerous people in the uh, New Testament church. And uh, if you're put your thinking cap on, you've seen them before. Uh, you've got first of all, you've got. Uh, Lost my reference. Hymenaeus. No. I lost my first reference. My first reference isn't 120. It's the one that has uh, Fagellus and Hermogenes. Someone help me out with that first one there. Yeah, how come it couldn't just be Bob or, you know, (laughs) Sally or Sandy Lou or something? (laughs) What is it? Thank you. You're a, you're a darling. Second Timothy 115. She is the walking uh, Concordance 115, right? Here it is. Second Timothy 115. You got this fellow named Philologus or Phil and Hermogenes. You know what they're guilty of? Turn there. Second Timothy one fifteen. Dangerous people in the New Testament church. A lot of church members think, well, you know, we just ought to all get along with everybody. Yeah, I understand that. Paul said, if at all possible, live, live peaceably with all men. All right? But there's dangerous people in the local church many times. Look at this in 115. <clears throat> he said, this thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of which are phagellus and Hermogenes." Now, if a pastor said that in 2023, you know what you'd say? Oh, preacher, get over it, Man. Know what you say? Well, oh, thank you, brother. You're all right. Amen. But you know what these uh, this, these two fellows uh, are guilty of? Defection and disloyalty. Defection. Defection and disloyalty. You see that? One of the number one sins in the body of Christ after your fellowship and lack of Bible reading. Is disloyalty. Amen. No one's loyal to anybody but themselves. Why? It's America. To thine own self be true. All right? They're guilty of uh, defection and disloyalty. They're guilty of abandoning Paul. I'll make a quick plea here as your preacher. I can't do this on my own. And say, well, you're doing a good job running your chops all on your own. I'm not talking about that. I can preach the notes until I'm blue in the face, but I can't do all this on my own here. My family and I, we've been here eight and a half years. I need the people of God here to get in this thing, tie up their boot uh, uh, laces and uh, roll up their sleeves and get into the work with me. I can't do it by myself. I just had one knee replaced, and we're doing okay. I might have 20 years, but I need help. And that's the first time I ever said that from this pulpit. But you know what? I ain't getting any younger. God called me to preach. He didn't call me to do everything here. Well, you know, a preacher over there in Ephesians chapter 4 says, for the work of the ministry. Yeah, I'm one man. And I work a full-time job. I need help. And these two jaybirds, they're guilty of defection and disloyalty to Paul. That's dangerous in local church. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 1. I can't do it without y'all. I can't. Now, if you don't come, I'll still preach. But if this thing is going to get past where we're at here, it's going to take people in the pew. Amen. It's going to take the Holy Spirit of God. It's going to take the people in the pew saying, you know what? This is my church, and I'm going to give as God wants me to, and I'm going to get involved as God wants me to, because this is a monstrous thing to take care of, ain't it? And some of you that are in it, (laughs) by the time you're done with one thing, man, there's 20 other popping up. Never quits. All right, we're here at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20. we talk talking about dangerous people in the New Testament. <clears throat> All right, you've got uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander. And you know what they forsake? Uh, they forsake Paul's preaching. You see that? Right in the text. <clears throat> don't like your preaching, preacher. Okay. Hey, brother, tell me something. Am I off doctrinally? Nope, don't have a problem with your doctrine. Oh, okay. So it's wrong? I just don't like the way you preach. Me neither. Can you give me some pointers? Nope. Not my place. Just don't like your preaching. Dangerous, dangerous. That's Hymenaeus. And Alexander, look at uh, thirdly, 2 Timothy 3.8. Preachers are like ice cream cones to Christians. There's so many flavors now, if they don't like one, they can just go get another. Right? I was a kid, there was that uh, ice cream joint in Hale. And whoever owned it then, it could have been because I was just a little kid. But man, you ordered a single ice cream, and that thing was like that big. Now, if you get a cone about that big, it costs you $20. But Dad, he had a 1978 Ford, ugly green. And what he would do is he'd put us in the back, me and my sister, and he'd go around he'd get all the kids that were in the youth group here at the church, and we'd all sit dangerously on the edge of the truck, and we'd tool all the way from Rempert Road all the way down to Hale in the middle of summer, and everybody getting an ice cream, he'd take 20 bucks and buy everyone an ice cream and have money left over. And there'd be a dozen teens in there. And then you'd freeze to death coming back. Not sure when I was going with that, but ice cream. Oh, flavor. Preachers are flavors of ice cream. I just got so caught up in the moment. I was reliving my childhood through the pulpit, amen. Now, I know some of y'all, some of y'all could have went with a, a dollar and got changed, but I'm not that old, Amen. <laughs> My stepdad that raised me says, I used to go to the show and I used to get a, a pop for a nickel and I'm like, Good grief, you're ancient. I said, You must have grew up in black and white. <laughs> Second Timothy three, eight. <laughs> Some of y'all get that black and white thing later. <clears throat> I was a kid, I, I, I hadn't made one. I, I parents got me this little black and white. Thing was older than days long, old TV. I thought I was, had two channels, channel five and channel twelve, if you move the antenna. All right, now look at 2 Timothy 3 8. <clears throat> now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the truth. All right. So here you have uh, Janus and Jambres, 2 Timothy 3.8, and they're guilty of deception. They're guilty of deception. They're trying to counterfeit Paul's ministry. Trying to counterfeit Paul's ministry—they're dangerous. We've had people come in here before, and they, uh, you know, they said, "Well, the Lord called them to come here," and then they uh, they left here, and then they wanted to call everybody and see if they were out of fellowship with the preacher. Why? Guilty of deception. Deception. It's dangerous. Adri's drive me just up a wall. They <clears throat> don't get offended if you're in the scanner, but they call the old people. And man, uh, <clears throat> nothing make my blood boil any worse than some uh, person trying to call the older, maybe now physically weaker, people and see if there's a problem between them and the preacher. You want to make me fight, which I'm not supposed to do. You want to make me fight. Do that and tell me about it. I'll meet you up back and then First John 1, 9, all the way to the house. Amen. All right, look at 2 Timothy 4, 10. 2 Timothy 4, 10. 2 Timothy four 10. <laughs> Going to get in trouble. I believe this. If you're going to have a rooster, you ought to have a banny one. Amen. If you're going to have a rooster, you ought to have one that crows you're going to have a rooster, you ought to have one that chase the weasel out of the hen house. We had this uh, farm on Rampart Road. Well, you're all going to 2 Timothy chapter 4. i told this before. His name was Louie. We had a rooster. And my sister, she painted her toenails. Her mama painted her toenails one time, and she wasn't thinking about it. And as kids, you just go into the chicken coop, you know, and all that chicken poop with bare feet. You can think of Why? Because just when you're done, you just walk through the creek, right? So my sister walks in there, and all of a sudden, Louie come after her, thought it was blood. And I'm like, "Oh, my sister, she's dancing, And that no, I found out Louie's after her toes. And I tell you what, Louie chased her out of the chicken coop, chased her around the house, and <laughs> I think she even went in the house with chicken poop on her feet. But anyways, look at Second Timothy 4:10. I think if you're going to have a rooster uh, like a preacher, you ought to have one that's got a little bit of spur to him, amen. Second Timothy 4:10. Now you got Demas. He's dangerous. Demas is dangerous. The Bible says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus under Demacia. And what he's guilty of, he's just guilty of desertion. He just bailed on the work. People that bail on you, on the work, are dangerous. There's work to be done. All hymn writer said, work for the night is coming, right? We'll work till Jesus comes, we'll work till Jesus comes. We'll stay home and watch TV <laughs> till Jesus comes and we'll watch the Super Bowl later on, right? Desertion. What's that? It is. Oh, praise the Lord. <clears throat> All right. Finally, number five. You know what? I generally don't even know who plays in the Super Bowl. I really don't. But this year, I do. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> All right. There seem to be a lot of sports on TV lately in the last seven months or so. All right. Second uh, Timothy four. Look at verse fourteen. Second Timothy four fourteen. All right, now look at this fellow here. He's dangerous. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. So now this fellow, he opposed the gospel, and he opposed what, he opposes what Paul is preaching. So here's just flat-out opposition. For 2 Timothy 4.14. He just opposes what Paul preaches. We've had a couple of those over the years. I've, uh, you know, I appreciate it when you all invite people, amen, and if you know people that will behave in a church house, invite them, amen, but if you have any doubt that someone's going to act up, I wouldn't invite them, you say, well, how dare you, use some common sense, man, amen, well, don't you believe in the power, I do believe in the power of prayer, I do believe in the power of shutting up too, amen, and a fellow ought to know when to shut up. We've had a couple people in here before. Someone invited them, and they were just, they were being, you know, trying to work for Jesus, you know, and didn't have a lick of common sense, and someone getting here, and they, I'd sit through Sunday school, and they'd just stare me down and just wrinkle their lips the whole time. I'm like, good grief. Either that fella has got heartburn, or he wants to fight. <laughs> I got my shook, you know, I shake hands, go around and shake hands, that a fellow comes up to me, he goes, you know, you're really bold." I says, well, I'll take that as a compliment. I said, if you don't like it, you can leave. What would he do? He left. Why? He didn't like it. <clears throat> so, 1 uh, Timothy chapter 1. I asked a fellow just to oppose it. I had a, you know, one fellow brought a couple of men and his wife and sat right up here. And I was teaching through the book of Genesis. And I was doing stuff, and they were like nope, and they were openly I could hear it they were openly opposing what I was preaching right in the front row they didn 't make it to the morning service either, and those people are dangerous first uh, Timothy chapter one I had one I was uh doing a four month uh internship here before the lord uh I heard that. For the Lord uh <clears throat> had the people of this church vote us in a hundred percent. And I'm preaching uh verse by verse as I do through the book of First Thessalonians. You all sat through First Thessalonians, one of the one of the best books there are, uh, spiritually speaking. And I get to first Thessalonians chapter four, start talking about the rapture, and she stands up and she just blows a stinking gasket. You say, Why? Opposing. Opposing. This is my church, I won't have you. She got done and said, are you done? <laughs> yes. Well, sit down. I'm not done preaching. <laughs> and I went and told her husband to shut her up. 1 <laughs> Timothy 1.19. <1:19. clears> the <throat> Bible says, Holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, nah, that's, that's 10... That's 10 one-hour lessons on 1 Timothy. And I hope you got something out of it. Now, the rest of the book will probably fly compared to chapter 1, but man, chapter 1, you dig in there real deep. All right, we'll take a break before we get into the morning service.